Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. We are excited to be with you today, and it is an intentionally unorthodox day. That's because we are working to shake up our environment and ensure that we're reaching the heart of every man, woman, and child in this room. We want to tell you this morning that we are on the precipice of exciting and expanding ministry in ever-darkening times. Our great king is directing, teaching, and expanding this body into an increasingly powerful formation. We as a church body have built teams yeah. within the larger team that is this church. Yeah. We've become one man that lives, fights, serves, and sacrifices yeah. together. Guys, we have laid a proper foundation for the future ministry that we have ahead of us. We've done this through messages like, sifting sets the table. Through messages like, don't wait, that taught us to make the most of our days. We do this by strengthening our brothers through transparency, our own transparency, regarding the transformation process that's happening inside of us. We have expanded our vision and understanding of God's global plan through teachings like the book of Daniel. Come on. In foundations. And even sermons like ordinary asses. Yeah. That's true. We fought to reach the full manhood of Christ in messages like husbandry that included dominion, cultivation, savior, sage, and glory bearers. Saints, we have a renewed love for right order in this house. Yeah. We have grown in shalom in our homes. We've done this through teachings like the book of Esther that expounded upon what we already had. We have learned the secret to meeting with God. The secret to being transformed by living in the tension between Abal and Gerizim. In messages like, Eureka, I found it! <laughs> We have been stirred to action by messages like international harvesters. Stirred to a point that, cycle, that points to the cycles and seasons required to produce an international crop. A harvest from the nations that is worthy of our king. Come on. Church, today is going to be a special day. It's special in that our Father is giving us increased clarity regarding the total picture of what he wants to accomplish. Is that exciting and special for us here? Yes. We are growing in our awareness of the required cycles and seasons. Those seasons that include both rain and drought that must come to see the gospel reach the nations. Amen. With that being said, the title of this morning's message is Beyond the Obligatory. Say that with me. Beyond the obligatory. Turn in your Bibles with us to Acts chapter 14 as we engage with our very first scripture. Somebody say nations when you get there. Nations. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Yes. Saints, in the past, God allowed the nations to go astray, but no more. In the past, you personally were allowed to go astray, but no more. Can I get a hallelujah for that in this hallelujah. house? Are you still going astray or did he rescue you? Oh, he rescued me. Our God has rescued you from the dominion of darkness 
and he has brought you into the kingdom of light so that you may serve him in this house. You have been blessed in his service, haven't you, church? Haven't you, church? We've been reflecting on the blessings that God has brought into this body. We have new marriages that are a divine work inside of this house. We have babies that are supernatural conceptions, ones that were born naturally and of heaven at the same time, sustained in the womb. We have souls in this room that were not there just a few years ago. And I'm stirred in my spirit every time I look at Jaron and realize yes. Jaron was living just a neighborhood over and we didn't know it all of these years. But I'm watching his life grow and be transformed now. And we've been supernaturally provided for and resources that have helped fund the kingdom work. We have houses in this body that we did not have in the past. Anybody living on Fuerte over in the Rosales clan? Man, that is the work of God causing something to come into being. There are men and women in this room that now have vehicles that did not in the past. Men and women that have jobs that provide for their families that they did not have in the past. We have walked in supernatural healings in this room. Where God has raised up our bodies so that we can keep working for him. Man, my favorite though. We've always had an astounding fellowship. We've had good friendships with one another, but man, that has been elevated to entirely new levels in this house. We are now a brotherhood that is forged in adversity in a way that we have never yet been bonded, but today we stand bonded in teams that are increasing in our operational capacity. Now, as a ministry team, we are recognizing that today, somebody say today, today, today. Today is a day that marks another turning of seasons for the work of God. Our king is setting our sights on reclaiming the nations. That season is right now, church. We must continue building. We must not allow the work to stop. We must not allow the work to slow, to pause, and certainly not allow it to cease. Every man, every woman, every child in this room is going to have the opportunity to practically build the tangible yes. kingdom on God, of God on the earth today. But first, before we get to that point, we want to revisit some of what you have learned in our last three services together. Come on. So going back to last Sunday, you learned about the perfect son of God and how he learned obedience through what he suffered. This translated to a renewed vision of the perfecting power of Christ in our own lives. As we endure hardship, as we voluntarily suffer for the sake of Christ. So remember and recall, church, you are being perfected because you choose to voluntarily suffer just like Christ did. Come on. You, like the men in Zechariah chapter 3 and 6, are men symbolic of things to come. Men who serve the coming king and high priest. We are currently living sacrifices, being made like our father who sits as king and priest over all. Your choice to sacrifice and serve voluntarily alongside your brothers around the world who are enduring the same kind of sufferings is the testimony to this age about our coming king. Church, you are DCD. Say DCD with us. 
You are DCD men who care nothing for this world as long as the will of God gets accomplished. Come on now. Church, the unity that we voluntarily press into among this body brings the clarification that each one of us desperately needs regarding our own lives and our own futures. But that's not all. Somebody say, that's not all. That's not all. Our unity together also brings revelation. And ultimately, our unity together brings about your maturity. And God always empowers unity so that we can accomplish his work. It's this very process that causes us to be perfected along the way, just like the perfect son of God was. Now, that message took place seven days ago, one week ago. That was just the beginning of our week. We had another life-changing experience on Tuesday together, one that is still echoing in the souls of each one of us even this morning, and it's going to continue into the days ahead. We have a slide to help you to remember. This is from Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Saints, we want you to remember something that we learned on Tuesday. Zerubbabel sinned. He stalled and was in need of correction in his leadership. But he was also still the man that was anointed for the task. Yeah. Oh, come on. The same is also true of Joshua the high priest. The same is also true of the elders as well. They all failed, but their failures were not fatal. Can somebody say amen? Amen. They course corrected, and they all proved it by pressing into the call of God once more and going after deeds that showed their actual repentance. See, the prophets encouraged these men that no mountain of external opposition, somebody say external opposition, external, would prevail against them if they repented from their insidious internal deviation. See, when you find yourself in sinful stagnation, we've learned in this house that there remains hope for you if we repent together. If we repent and begin to build the house of God once again. Are you ready to build, church? The people of God are unstoppable by outward resistance. The only real threat to us is inward resistance. That says we have gone far enough. Or it is not time to build the house of the Lord. Or I will sacrifice for the work after I am personally secure. Perhaps this is why the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians and said in Philippians 1.3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to yes. completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Come on. Guys, you know that Paul was a student of the Tanakh. You know that he knew the story that we're telling you better than all of us know it. The work of God faces many perils, and the most dangerous of them all is our own internal resistance. Nevertheless, he wrote that he who began the good work in you will be faithful to complete the work. Come on. The work that began in the spirit, it became stagnant. Yet the same spirit, somebody say the same spirit. The, the same, same spirit. spirit. 
that same spirit stirred them again, and the work ended up coming to a completion. Amen. Come on. This really is what we are all relying on. Were you guys stirred by that? Well, Thursday night, the DCD attitude was revitalized in us. And it is the attitude we need for this very hour of history we now find ourselves in. We don't care a damn about our own lives, about our own will and emotions, as long as we complete the task that our king has given to Hallelujah. us. We have found a renewal in our spiritual vigor and our holy zeal. Such a renewal eliminates all concern for this world and spurs us and our brothers on to the completion of the task. Church, you have called out to Adonai, and he has lit the fire again. Church, you'll even remember this slide from Thursday night. It's out of Acts 20, verses 22 through 24, in a more amplified kind of way. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life. My breath, my being, soul, feelings, desires, mind and heart of no costly value, of no preciousness, of no honor to anyone, including myself, if only I may culminate, complete, bring to an end and reach the goal of the course of the life and mission and complete the assignment and the very role the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of grace. Church, our lives, our desires, even our own souls are of no costly value when compared with completing the goal of God on earth. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. See, we've got to take these things to heart. We are men who have willingly confined ourselves to the daily pressure of giving our own lives over to death for the sake of Christ. And we will not back up. We will not let up. We will not shut up in the face of a rising cost. We will rise to meet the challenge in front of us, and our God will, in fact, meet us in power. Saints, hearing what these pastors just said, were you stirred in your spirit Thursday evening? Yeah. See, I was there when you were at the altar and God was lighting on you again. Did you experience that revival? Yeah. See, that same spirit will cause us to rise to meet the challenges ahead with power. We told you earlier that our sermon title is Beyond the Obligatory. We would like to begin by helping you understand the second temple backdrop of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul was a first century Pharisee who studied at Jerusalem from his youth. Every day he was around the temple that was built by Zerubbabel wow. and later added on to by Herod. From his youth, he would have brought regular offerings to the temple that Zerubbabel built and have striven to observe and teach the Torah in the manner that Ezra had laid out. Amen. See, the very things that you are learning about in Foundations are Paul's background. To say the least, Zerubbabel's temple had been a centerpiece of Paul's religious life, his understanding of the larger body of Scripture, and its construction was a powerful reminder to him, being Paul, of God's resurrecting power for the 12 tribes and all who would join themselves to Israel. Now, as we pick up together in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you guys remember something. Remember that Paul is writing to a predominantly Gentile church. 
and that he is laboring to help them to understand how the house of God should be built. Somebody say, praise God in a Gentile house. He's laboring to help them understand how the house of God should be built, spiritually speaking. Just like Zerubbabel, he begins with the foundation and the altar of sacrifice that is Jesus Christ. He then goes on to speak to them regarding the kind of material that can be built with. His every instruction is going to point to the costly offerings that are required to build the kingdom of God on. on the earth. Additionally to this, each of the materials are up to the builders to voluntarily bring for the construction. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 3.10. Are you guys there? Well, starting in chapter 3, verse 10 of 1 Corinthians, we will point to many of the words of Haggai, who was prophesying during the construction of the second temple as Paul draws them from his letter. So now in 1 Corinthians 3.10, we read, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Come on. Be careful how he builds. Now listen to Haggai 1.7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Yep. An absolute parallel. Paul is directly quoting from the content of Haggai, who was prophesying subsequent to the foundation of the temple being laid. They're talking about the exact same thing in both 1 Corinthians and Haggai. Both Paul and Haggai are warning us to carefully consider how we proceed with the construction process now that the foundation has been laid. In Haggai's day, the work came to a stop after the foundation was laid. And Paul, in his letter to the church of Corinth, is working to ensure that the work does not come to a stop. Come on, church. Don't you want to know how to make sure that the work does not come to a stop? That's exactly what Paul is giving, yep. and he is paralleling it to everything that is happening in Haggai's day and what Haggai is saying. As we pick it up in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 3, you're going to see continued parallels that are obvious to any serious Bible student. Verse 11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold and silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw... His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Church, clearly, Paul is drawing from the construction of a physical temple. The second temple, the one that was being built by Zerubbabel and Joshua in their day. And they, Paul is teaching this church how to build, spiritually speaking, on the very foundation of Christ. We want you to listen to Haggai chapter 2 as we continue with this parallel. So you just heard the materials that Paul listed that were to be added to the foundation. Hear Haggai chapter 2 verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. Haggai prophesies that a shaking or testing is coming that will reveal each man's work. These exact words were prophesied in our midst this past Thursday evening. That God would shake 
our body in the same manner. We're going to keep moving to verse 7. Hear how it builds. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. See, to reach the nations, a shaking is necessary. And it goes on to say, I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Notice he didn't say that the hay and stubble was mine. He said the gold and silver was mine. In Haggai, the Lord makes a clear distinction between works or building materials that will stand the test and those that will not stand the test. Paul says if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, or three other materials, wood, hay, or straw, it is going to be revealed in fire. Both the prophet Haggai and Paul are writing to a believing community. Somebody say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Now, presuming that you just told the truth and weren't lying, then this is addressed to you, to a believing community that must finish the work that had already been started. Saints, we want to tell you a foundation had been laid, but it was up to them in their day to voluntarily bring the right, the costly, sacrificial building materials because hay would never stand the test but only that which endures to eternity. Church, continue with us in Haggai 2, verse 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So both Haggai and Paul conclude with the reward that is Christ. Our king walks among the lampstands of the churches, and he is pleased with what will stand in the light of all eternity. The only way for the work to stand the test was for the men of that day and that time to stand and, listen, voluntarily bring that which was costly. A foundation had been laid, and the work must be completed. And church, we're having an awakening in the house of God. We are a believing community that is being awakened to our present responsibility. Our ability to participate in the very work of Christ on the earth now. A fire has been lit inside of those who already love the Lord, but now are being called higher to actually complete the work that we started. Church, do you want to complete the work? Yes. It requires a voluntary offering. Come on. That comes from that spiritual awakening. So understand this. A spiritual awakening, a fire from the Lord, is only as good as it shows up practically in our actions, practically in the deeds of every day of our life. Let me read to you a verse that's very familiar and foundational to this ministry, to what built this church, built the men, women, lives, and efforts that had come from it. James 2.18 in the NIV 84. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Let me do it again. By what I do. This verse is foundational to our very lives, to this ministry, and what has built what you now are participating in. 
Many of you have been able to quote it for years, and yet for all of us, its meaning has increased year by year. It's increased as God has shown us what we must have the faith to do in his name. Not a past tense of relying on what we have done. It is present day of what now we must do. This is one of the foundational truths that God has given to this church from the beginning, to have less talk and more walk. And that is exactly what God is reviving in us, right, even in this day. Now, we want you to turn with us to 1 Kings chapter 19. Right now, we are getting to the centerpiece of what the spirit of holiness has been stirring us up as a body to do. Are y'all ready to get a real clear glimpse of what you must do in order that the work of the Lord can be completed? Turn with us to 1 Kings 19 and verse 19, and we're going to begin together. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now there's so many things that you've heard preached about this. You've studied it. The the cloak being thrown upon the next generation. Some beautiful things. But we're going to have to wrestle with the truth that is found in this passage today. You guys ready to wrestle with this in your hearts? No one told Elisha to go and sacrifice the oxen. No one had to tell him to go and make a sacrifice based on what God was doing. It It was the natural response of a man who had been actually stirred by the Spirit. He didn't just say, wow, that was a blessing. Let me go on. There was something that rose up within him because he was stirred by God. Elisha was stirred by Elijah to recognize his own calling. To recognize the work that he was supposed to get to. See, much like Zerubbabel was stirred up to go to Jerusalem, we're seeing the exact same thing here. And we're also seeing it in the lives of the men and the women in this room. God has used men in an Elijah fashion to awaken you to your call, to stir you up, to light a fire again. And there's got to be the same type of response in us. This house has experienced a stirring, and it is so that the work of the Lord can continue on and be completed. Like Elisha, our father has lit a flame of revival inside of us. Can anybody attest to that in this house? Now it is up to us. It is up to you and to me to bring the wood, to bring the oxen, the costly things for the work of the Lord. No one had to command. No one had to direct Elisha to make this offering. In fact, he could not be stopped because he realized that the work of the Lord always requires it. And he was required in that moment. Elisha understood that the fire lit in him was real. He had that moment with Elisha and knew God had ignited something in him. Marlon Sosa, has God ignited something inside of you in recent weeks? Has he, brother? Has he, Nolan? Has he ignited something in you? Spencer, is there a new fire in your life compared to a year ago? 
Has God done something supernaturally in your life, Andrew Hayes? I believe it because I can see it in your eyes. Cody, is your life like it has always been or something over the last eight months radically changed in how you live and operate? See, I'm looking at a room full of men and women that God has given you an ignition point. In fact, many ignition points when we look back on it. You know that it is real. You would not be here if it wasn't real. You spent time in a church, circus church in the past. You came here because you wanted a fire that was real. Well, Elisha knew what he had received was real, but that it would also fade over time without a very specific cure for the natural, sinful entropy of living in this world. He added to the fire given by God his voluntary sacrifice, putting feet to his faith, as James put it. Elijah finished his life not as a smoldering wick, but with double the miracles of his father in the faith. Saints, there are very few that make it to the end of their life on fire for Christ. We're watching the Browns set a blazing example. And it's because they're adding daily voluntary sacrifice to what God lit in them. See, what will your entrance eternity look like? Will you enter naked having had an ignition point, but not added to it the voluntary sacrifice that is required to keep it going? Or... Or will you enter into eternity doubly blessed because you voluntarily sacrificed all for what Christ ignited in you? You see, the cure for the natural fade of spiritual fervor is the same in you as it was Elisha. You must act upon the fire that God has stirred up in us in recent days. Act upon it through voluntary sacrifice. 1 John 2.14 says that young men Men who are under 50. Men who are strong and that the word of God lives in you. Your life should look like Elisha overcoming the evil one. A life that is now bent on adding your voluntary sacrifice to what he ignited. Devoting yourself to becoming like Elisha. Putting in the hard work and the voluntary sacrifice to advance the kingdom of God. Overcoming the evil one. See, as we're talking about that, that reminds me of something that Daniel Cho did this Saturday. Yeah, that's right. He voluntarily put his time toward a brother's work and spent his day out in the sun doing work just because he wanted to do it. Guys, that's exactly what we're talking about. This kind of voluntary, voluntary sacrifice is what reignites the flame of fire time and time and time again. Young men. When we say young men, we're talking about any man under 50 in the room right now. That's right, you're young. You should be looking to take any and every extra shift, any overtime that's available, any side work that pops up, and, the, and anything like it to build the kingdom of God on the earth. The men who are not married and who work the hardest in this room they are also the ones closest to being married. And that's for a reason. They know what it looks like to build a house. And they know what it looks like to work hard. On that topic, you guys ever wonder about the marriage that we had last weekend? Like, how a man like Rhett Phillips can walk into this church about a year ago 
and after a year come in and get married in this house? You ever wonder, scratch your head and say, how in the world did that happen? Well, man, yeah. Well, it might have everything to do with him knowing what it looks like to work his you-know-what off. God can bless a man who works the garden and produces an abundance that he can contribute to the world around him. That kind of man can have a woman added to his life. You hearing me, singles? Looking to work the minimum. Looking to work the minimum. It is effeminate. Not looking to work the minimum is effeminate. All right, Pastor, I think we can go on now. Just keep it a little bit longer. This is good. If you're under 50 and you're a man, I want you to raise your hand. You are the men that we are speaking about. Young men, strong men, men who have overcome the evil one. Put your hand down. Want, want us all to get this. You are young men that have been filled with the strength of God. And the purpose that you have been filled with the strength of God is to expend it all for the kingdom of God. Any use of it on your own personal pleasures or pursuits is a deviation from the reason why God gave you strength within your youth. Now is the time to maximize that strength. Use it for the kingdom. Work your rear end off to advance the kingdom. Sweat like a boss. This morning we want to highlight the ongoing work that you have directly made possible and share with you what is left to be done to complete the work Christ has stirred us all to do. We boast not in things of this world, but in Christ. And we are proud of what Christ is doing in and through this body here at LCM. Look, we know difficult times are coming. And the way we stand during difficult times is to extend further, yeah. push harder, yes. and give more to the kingdom. We do not retract, shrink, or concede in any way. No. We rise to meet the pressure. So here are a few needs that this body has risen to meet in the last days. First of all, we'd like to show you a slide that shows what we have been doing as a church and what you have been contributing to. Literally building foundations in the natural and in the spiritual. These are the beginning pictures of what your pastors, of what the One Association has accomplished at the Denton property there for the Remnant Church. As many of you know, Remnant had a fire in their main sanctuary area, which is also the living space for the Hutchinson family. And so what was built right outside of their church building, you can see here, starting literally from pouring concrete piers and then beginning by laying the foundation. We got another slide for you. You can see Pastor Eric and Pastor Hutchinson there with the very first wall that got put up. By the way, all of this work that you are seeing was done in a seven-day time frame. From the very beginning of nothing being done to the entire work that you're going to see. Right there on the right, you can see the next day as the, all of the walls were put up. Go to the next slide. You can see now as they're starting to uh, wrap the house and build the roof there on the, on the rafters. And you can see that the entirety of the house is done. And we've got one more slide for you. Uh, you can see Pastor Judah there just to make sure that you knew that he was working there. 
have all the internal walls built, all of the framing done. You can see how beautiful, how excellent the work has been done. And again, in a seven-day time frame, you get all the way to the picture on the right with a roof, with, a, with a shingles put up there, with the entirety of a work done so that that church can move forward and build out the inside of the house. Somebody says that's a lot for seven days. See, this church that had to need to be helped, your body, this body of believers, along with the one association has stepped in to be and make them have a usable place. In response to the fire, men from this body took off work and drove to Denton to build a home with and for the Hutchinson family. This is where we started from the foundation of the house all the way up to its rafters, these are some of the things that this church body, along with the One Association, is accomplishing in the last few days. Saints, there is no project that we shy away from, both in the spiritual and in the physical. While this house is being erected, young men are being built into men of God. Men like Dylan Hutchinson are becoming men that, that are worthy of marriage in this kind of process, and they will take the gospel to the nations. This next slide is one that should put a smile on your face. Do you love these men? Saints, Pastor Eric and his family are in Crystal Lake right now. That's where my father is, laboring as an aide to the Rising Church while their pastors are out traveling internationally. Immediately upon their return from Crystal Lake, like getting back to Houston, close to the Bush International Airport, they will be flying out to Indonesia to meet with the Vincents and the Guzmans. This is the first time since the COVID restrictions went into place that we have been able to visit the Vincents and Guzmans in their work. It has been almost three years since we have been able to minister alongside our brothers and the Lord has now opened a door. Now, in addition to that, on the right-hand side of the screen, you see a man named Anand Israel. That man is like an uncle and a father to me, family above all. We are working to see if we can get him in Indonesia at the same time so that we might just be able to pray about future partnership. Now, the last few days, right? Just the last few days, we've got another slide for you. Talking about international harvest with you this morning here. Guys, on the left, you see the Massey family. The Masseys are currently in Italy like right now, working on obtaining citizenship and dual passports that are expected to open doors for ministry in Middle Eastern countries that Americans, like you and me, cannot access. Additional Albanian pastors, additionally, Albanian pastors that are able to travel to Italy are meeting them to discuss future partnership in the gospel, happening right now. Pastor Eric and his family will be flying from Indonesia to join the Masseys in these meetings and to aid in the establishment of future foundational works. Can you get excited about something like that? Well, we are a church that seeks to invest in others, in the kingdom advancing in others, internationally, but also domestic. Let's put up the next slide. This slide is of our last year's One Association Leaders Gathering, and it's all the leadership families bonded and gathered as one. So Pastor Eric and his family, as well as other pastors from LCM, 
have been engaging in building roads between the churches of the One Association. Many of you guys heard of this direction once we came back and began to put feet to your faith in, in, in doing that. As we mentioned before, Pastor Eric and his family are currently in Crystal Lake at the Arising Church. And for the purpose of working to aid in ministry, while parts of the Arising team are spread out in their foreign endeavors. Church, that's a lot of work already, but we have another slide for you to continue this. We've even had some life-saving surgeries that have happened in just the last few weeks. In the middle of fruitful ministry, in the city of Arequipa, the Brassos, Buddy and Kim, that family was suddenly in need of a life-saving surgery. Praise be to God that they are making a full recovery Hallelujah. and continuing. They are able to continue on with the work that Christ has gifted them with through supernatural means and through contributions and giving of this church, partnering with them in every way. Saints, I'm going to show you a slide that is just summarizing a few of our current efforts. And then Pastor Wade and Pastor Matthew are going to expound upon it for you in practical terms. In the last few weeks, last few days, this body has been involved in a remnant building project. We've been involved in extensive international airfare. We've been involved in Italian travel expenses, both including what is required to stay there, what is required to get visas, passports, everything that is associated with going abroad and trying to obtain a passport that will get you into places like Oman, because that's not a normal endeavor. Chicago travel expenses, a surgery in Peru, travel between the One Association churches. All of this are just a few of the things that are going on simultaneously. So in the midst of your pastors preparing for sermons and being here with you and ministering to you and having discussions with you, these are all the other things that are going on outside of our four walls. And we're dealing with all kinds of issues within these four walls. But in the midst of what's going on, you see just a sampling that relates to the entirety of the one association. Some of these expenses are already paid and already done. As a matter of fact, LCM, that you have been part of contributions to the One Association. Because no individual can give to the One Association. You give to your church, and the church gives to the association. As a church body, you have given a total of $20,000 to the One Association in just the last few weeks. See, while everything else is going on, as we're moving forward, there is work and significant work that is being done with a global, with an international understanding and impact. That doesn't even count. That $20,000 investment doesn't even include the months before of what we've given as a church or what is still yet to be accomplished in the days ahead. We are active as a church, and you are making this part, you're a part of this. This giving that you have been a part of has its foundation. We were thinking about this and reminded of it in a supernatural way. This giving had its foundations in a sermon called Zero Faith. Does anybody remember the sermon Zero Faith? This was a moment in LCM history when everyone gave voluntarily, willingly, and abundantly in a fashion that was personally costly. And as you can see, there have been divine rewards and divine empowerment as a result of that voluntary gift during the sermon of Zero Faith. In response to hearing that message of Zero Faith and action being taken upon it, 
Many of the families that gave most sacrificially and voluntarily have seen fruit in every area of their lives as a result of their willingness to participate in action to, in response. So in light of that, let me read to you Deuteronomy 14, 22, and 23. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of your Lord, your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord, your God, always. So as a result of those that gave most sacrificially and voluntarily, you can look back and over the course of, of years, how God has blessed your marriages, how God has supernaturally given you children, how he has multiplied your resources and ability in a financial means, and the way that God has added souls to this very body because we acted in obedience to go down to zero for the sake of the kingdom. St. John, I want to take a minute just to testify. Is it all right if I give you a testimony? Yeah. I have known Pastor Matthew and Pastor Wade since the beginning. I have watched their life and doctrine closely and their management of kingdom resources from the beginning. Missionaries have always been paid on time, always better cared for than these pastors cared for their own families. Not because they couldn't, but because they would rather put those other families first. For instance, when these men have a medical problem, they're not running to call someone else. They're praying and asking that God would provide for the other families first and them second. You can see the exact same pattern throughout the One Association in buildings and property purchases. If you've traveled a little bit in the One Association, you may notice that every other church has a property and a building, except this one. You know why that is? It's not because this church couldn't have purchased land over the years. It's not because this church is incapable of building. We have some craftsmen in this house. It's because these two men have directed our efforts towards everyone else but us because that is the call of the gospel. These men have paid travel expenses to help people get from one country to another, to help Pastor Eric and Miss Jen get to a church again and again and again. Biden is making this really fun. He's driving up the price of getting to visit these men. As we already mentioned, they've paid numerous medical expenses of other people that you don't know about because they take care of other families before they do themselves. To their own detriment, time and time again, they have put the kingdom first. These men are worth supporting in every way. Can somebody in this house say these two men are worth supporting? I want to tell you this morning, we are not talking about them, though. This is about finishing what we started in the One Association. This is about finishing the foundation that we were first to lay our hands to contributing to. This is about taking what was laid and seeing it reach its pinnacle, the dedication of the temple. See, church, you were the first to help make that happen. Now it's time that we finish what we started, LCM. Now, you must afford me the opportunity, a minute or two, to testify. You know, Judah, myself, Peyton Parsons right there, Pastor, we are not on staff here at LCM. No, no, not. Don't know if all you guys knew that. 
We're not on staff here. But we are a part of the team. We've seen how these men live lives of consistent and continual sacrifice. Yes. Especially when it comes to monetary provision and its proper allocation. The kingdom of God has always come first. And these men have never taken more than they have required for them, to, that is required for them to live. They have very, very often taken much less. The missionaries that we support and their families and their various needs, they've always come first in this ministry. The other ministries that we have partnered with, their visions, their building projects, as Pastor Judah just mentioned, they've always come first. I personally have traveled more and spent more time with these pastors as well as Eric and Jen than you have over the last decade. I can guarantee it. These men will be on the same income, living the same lifestyle, driving the same vehicles, and living the same life. That's because we are fighting to build the kingdom of God. Guys, they are hungry. And we are hungry as well as a body to see the foundation that has been laid brought to its completion. And we need your help to do it this morning. Amen. Churches, it is our joy, it is our honor before God to sacrifice all at all times so that God's work gets completed. And particularly getting completed in others' lives before it's ever finished in our own. When we covered our current... Uh, efforts. It also must be included that we share with you our future efforts. Let's put up the next slide. Our future efforts, a few of them, include continual travel between the one association churches. And as things get more increasingly difficult with finances and costs and money just to buy gas or diesel, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to get to the places where God has said that we must get to in the one association. There's also the ongoing vision and promise of a, uh, a, a school of ministry and a building that submission is, is, is constructing on their property. Yep. I was there years ago. It was a divine appointment whenever they were able to purchase the land. I sat at the table with Zeke and watched him sign it in faith. And God has been providing, but there is still more work to do. Therefore, there are still finances required to accomplish it. There's more international travel. What we're experiencing right now in this month and upcoming months are the doors beginning to open after the restrictions that have been here for a couple of years. Our church has been founded on reaching out to the nations, expending all of who we are to get to the souls and the men of peace in each and every town. It has developed discipleship by bringing you guys by our side and seeing that this way of life works around the world in every culture and in every language. There's also the endeavor of exploratory work for future foundations. Yes. The reason that we go internationally to look for that man of peace is to find the exact location where God wants to open up a spring and establish a church in that location. Well, this is also the understanding of God is continuing to point us in the future of setting up new church plants. 
new church plants that are internationally, and new church plants that are domestic. Church, the missions that the Lord of hosts has set on us in the past have been completed. Can't you look back and see so many of the things that were promised that have actually been fulfilled in this house? Can you or can you not? That everything that God has said, there are many missions that he has set before us that have been completed. That is an honor and that is an unusual thing. And don't you lose the special nature that God has actually accomplished every good thing that he has promised so far. That can be taken to the bank and we're going to be completing the next phase of what God is giving us to do. There is more yet to be done. In these last few years, you can see that our body has been working. We've been working to turn and grow as a body, unified, building the body as each part does the work. Now, what you should be hearing today is God saying, yes, and look at what else I have for you, church. You cannot just be focused inwardly. You cannot just be focused on what you have. God is saying, I am stirring something in this group of people. I am promising you that what I am telling you to do, I will empower you to be able to do. Come on. What a powerful group of people that we can actually look back and it's not hypothetical. God has done it and he's telling us other things that we must do. Other things that must be completed. And that's what he's working on in this house. We're going to continue to build roads of ever widening breath between the churches. It's not done. We've started it, but that doesn't mean that we've completed it. We're going to see a ministry training school and buildings there for submission ministry. We're going to see Denton and Remnant Church be rebirthed even in their physical construction as well as encourage them spiritually. We're going to see churches built up and planted in a swan. You remember you're still a part of the swan team? Don't let that vision die. God is saying, stir it up within you. That map that's on the wall, just because it's here every day and every service, don't you lose the importance of that. He is moving on us and he's saying, that is still before you. Look up, pick up your eyes and see what I am stirring you to do and to complete in this house. We're going to see other churches built in surrounding nations. We're going to see churches built from the men and the families in this room in our own country. We're going to see God do it because he is faithful to complete what he started. The question is, are we going to be faithful to complete what he's given us? Saints, I want to ask you, who else do you know that has the track record of the One Association? (laughs) See, when the One Association says the churches will be planted... They mean that we will raise men, train them, and labor every day until it has been accomplished. When we talk about a ministry training school, where is it you think your sons and daughters will be ordained and launched into ministry from? See, these are not ethereal concepts. This is not a donate on a commercial going to some CEO's pocket. We are talking about finishing the work that we've began. In very physical, tangible ways that you can see, where we help pay for the property... And we have the property now. And we are raising up the men and we'll need to build the building. See, the One Association does what it says. It's filled with men who live sacrificial lives of fidelity and faithfulness in every area. We are telling you, LCM, that we have begun a foundation that we must finish. These endeavors are immediately upon us and in the very near future. Out of our midst, we must raise the money to see the travel to the churches continue. When gas prices triple, you do the math. Something that was $800 to get to Chicago starts to look like $2,500 if you're pulling a trailer. 
Think about your household budget, how that would work. Out of our midst, we must raise the money to see the travel to the churches continue. We must raise the money to see the ministry training school built. We must raise the money to see surgeries that keep pastors at work raised. The ongoing ministry that you have supported thus far has laid a foundation in the churches that is producing ministers who will go around the world. But we, say we, we, like Zerubbabel, must finish what we have started. LCM, your ministry team is giving sacrificially. They are giving consistently and to the furthest extent of our means to see God's will done on earth. Personally, we are evaluating every area of our home life, our work, and searching for opportunities and ways to give more. For instance, things like a totaled suburban, instead of being a tragedy or a nuisance, starts to become an opportunity. Rather than replacing it, we're looking to see how much we can get out of the insurance company and just take one vehicle as a family because we do not want to see the work of God stop because we can't put diesel in a tank. See, these men handle their lives well. We are asking you to join us in the same efforts we are putting forth. As we want to highlight a few things that you probably aren't privy of. Eric and Jennifer Stevens are laboring to supply their own needs. As we're talking about in the last few weeks, having septic repairs occurring on the side of the road because there has been a tragedy in the septic system. As we're talking about changing multiple flat tires on a single trip between the churches. I was there. I was there for the septic. <laughs> We're talking about foregoing even a, an expense for a hotel room, driving through the night to save money so that we can have fuel on the way back. That kind of sacrifice. Selling inherited jewelry from dead parents to get from one church to another. Anybody remember my grandmother recently passed away? Yeah, yeah, her, her jewelry was sold so that the one association can get from one church to another. It's our joy to do so. Amen. Choosing to give away every labor of love to their brothers around them instead of personally enriching themselves and choosing to do that. Some of you guys are even holding some of those labors of love in your hands right now. Yeah, it's approximately $5,200 worth of dogs in 15 weeks of work. You're welcome. Yeah, that could have easily been justified, but it was a labor of love to benefit part of the congregation. Because yeah, that's just who they are and that's what they do. This does not include hours of missed sleep building in Denton, driving through the night, handling emergency counseling situations, or physically expending themselves in every way that cannot be quantified in monetary terms. Look, everything you have just heard are examples of a joyful, voluntary sacrifice yes. that the Stevens have made. It has set the example for what this church is and for what all of the other One Association churches are. Those that give their lives uh, with free uh, will offering, unabated, unattached to anything of their own because they're looking forward to an eternal reward that will last and will not fade. Amen. Church, we are not ashamed to say that we have accomplished a great 
deal up to this point. The foundation of the One Association has been laid, and we have so much further to go. This is where your voluntary sacrifice comes into play. As a body, we gave all to begin something that we had never seen ourselves. Come on. We read about this kind of brotherhood in his word and made it a reality on earth. The very thing that you're participating in right now. The words of Haggai and Zechariah are ringing in our ears, saints. This work must be finished. We are asking you to join us in completing what we started together. It's time that we complete that which we began. You helped to build the roads between the churches by sacrificing after hearing the message, zero faith. And to a large extent, we have made it this far because of your response to that message. The foundation has been, that has been laid will launch truly international ministry around the world. And we can already see yes. the beginning of it. Church, the principle that God has shown us again and again, he's demonstrated it so clearly through the lives of Eric and Jennifer Stevens, that you must empty yourself constantly, that there cannot be a reserve that you keep just in case. The way that the kingdom advances is you constantly empty yourself, and then he fills you again. And then you empty yourself again, and then he fills you again. And the best part of it is you start going, I want to voluntarily empty myself so that his provision, so that his life, so that his empowerment may be there. Look, we can tell you something. That the one association will see the 12 springs from Exodus 15, 27 raised up. We are going to see 12 springs. The men who will lay these foundations are now being discipled and they're being made ready as we speak. They are on the training days and being made ready for the day of battle. The work of the pastors throughout our brotherhood and the work of Eric and Jen Stevens alongside them is producing a future that will in fact take captives from the fierce, as Isaiah 49 says. The 12 springs will see families sown into the Aswan region, one after another, from this very room. Come on now, we got to have some things that we are reminded of today. That we are stirring in our soul to have our own children, our own grandchildren be sown into that region. Yes. That some of you men and women in this room will be sent to this region. This is what God has given and he will accomplish it. Amen. We will have produced a remnant in the biblical world at the return of Christ. Amen. We're not going to be standing by the great men of the hall of faith in heaven and going, yeah, well, I had a different, difficult day at work. We're going to be able to stand next to them and say, I also gave all. I also kept giving my all. It was my life to do it, and I did it joyfully and voluntarily. So when we are standing there, we are going to see completed works that are birthed from this room and from this association. There are families in this room that believe themselves to be called to plant springs here in the United States. There are families in this room that believe themselves or their children to be planted in a swamp. We want to say that every one of you, regardless of your physical destination, every man, woman, and child in this room now, right now, has the opportunity to practically build the tangible kingdom of God on earth. We're asking you to forego your own security and build the sacred. Build the sacred by financially laying it all on the line again for the continuation of the work so that it does not stop. We are declaring that the work of God must go on. 
will go on and cannot go on without costly voluntary offerings that are all that we have again. It is time to build with gold, silver, and costly gems and not the hay that will fade into eternity, but to lay a foundation that our sons can build on. Guys, today is a day that the Spirit is stirring us up, and He has already been stirring us up. So it must be matched by giving our all to see the work completed. As Peter said in Mark 10, 28, we have left everything to follow you. We cannot now hold on to our lives, our cars, our houses, our possessions, our paneled houses, while the work of God still remains unfinished. We have come too far to stop short of the call of God. We must go beyond the obligatory today and into the voluntary, the costly sacrifices that are from a heart's cry that says, Lord, don't leave me out of your building project. We don't care a damn for our own comforts. We care only to see the Lord's will completed. The Lord is not interested in our desire for security. He's interested in his name being glorified. He's interested in the teleos, the mission being brought to a completion. You heard Nick say earlier regarding Peter that they had given all they couldn't turn back now. Saints, you along with us many times have given your all. Saints, I say we've gone too far to stop short. Now, I have to be honest with you about an actual phenomenon inside of myself that I've noticed. Those of you who are familiar with Mashlomka, it's part of my actual Mashlomka. It's called selective memory. Anybody understand the concept of selective memory? I do. Yeah, if you just thought of your spouse, then hold on to your seat personally. I personally, when I contemplate the last vacation with my wife, or the last time I really got to sleep as much as I needed, well, that feels like ages ago to me. If I... We were to answer you honestly when the last things those happened, I would tell you I can't remember, or it's been years, or it's been such a long time. But if you ask me when we preached the message zero faith, well, I would have answered you that could not have been more than a year ago. See, the reality is we all, like Peter gave all, And in my own selective memory, that sacrifice that I was proud of, when I got off the stage and walked over to Nick and Peyton and we literally emptied our bank account to zero and God provided for us anyway, it's been memorialized. I feel like it was yesterday. I feel like surely it was last summer, at most, maybe two years. When in reality, it's actually been over three. I think that the last time My own comfort occurred. Well, man, that's been forever. But the time that I gave it all, well, that that might as well be yesterday. It's still right here with me. Except it's not. It was three years ago. Children born since then. Jobs changed. Cars changed. Whole world and our church body shaped since then. It wasn't yesterday. In fact, it was a long time time ago. This is very similar to the way that we tend to estimate our own personal study time versus our actual entertainment consumption. 
Men believe that they study far more than they do watching a television. But an actual accounting of their daily practice between YouTube, Facebook, and TV shows that the vast majority of their free time is spent just entertaining themselves. It's a type of self-deception, and I'm telling you it's found in me. I preached zero faith standing next to my father. I stepped off this stage and emptied my bank account. And that's become a laurel that I've been resting upon because I believed it wasn't that long ago. I've proven that I can do this, despite the fact that God has blessed me in every way since then, and I've never done it again since then. See, three years ago, we preached like this because we had gone deeply into debt as a church. Tens of thousands of dollars on credit cards. Not because of mismanagement, not because of sinful practices in these men. I mean, we're helping a lot of you with your budgets, and sometimes they're deeply in debt for sinful reasons. I know these men. I know their budget. I've stood with the elders. It wasn't for that reason. It's because they could not stand to see the work of God stop. But I will say there's one thing we would do differently. Instead of getting to that point independently of you and not telling you, we're asking you now to do it with us. We're running to the edge of what God has provided three years ago, and we are personally sacrificing so that it doesn't stop. We're asking you to join us in that endeavor financially every day and today. When we're talking about young men, man, if you could pick up a Saturday instead of being lazy and sleeping to 11 and put gasoline in a pastor's tank, wouldn't it be worth it? See, today we have learned better than we had in the past. We will not be deprived of our personal costly sacrifice, but we are inviting you to financially lay it all on the line with us once again. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.6, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Saints, we want to tell you we will get it done with or without you, and that is a promise. We have proven that over time. But we also know you and know that you're eager to match your inward stirring with practical, tangible, costly, and voluntary sacrifice right along with us as we do it ourselves. Guys, Deuteronomy 14, verse 28, was shocking to us. We actually were studying yesterday, and we stumbled onto this passage right after the realization that it's been three years since we went down to zero as a church. Look at this. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. In the past three years, there's been an abundance of fruit in the One Association. Men are growing into warriors yes. in our churches. This minister is being raised up. In the last three years, the work of your hands and the fruit of your wombs and your spiritual walks have been blessed in every single tangible Come on. way. Guys, this reminded us of Deuteronomy 16:16. 16, 16. It teaches us that 
No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift, listen, in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Oh, in fact, the passage that we just read in Deuteronomy 14, 28, it tells us that in addition to our regular tithes, every three years, we are to bring a voluntary offering in proportion to the way we believe that God has been good to us. Has God been good to us, church? As this offering actually, every bit of it, it, our relationship with the Lord, it shows up in what we choose to bring Him in response to the stirring of His Spirit in us. Shows how valuable you believe it is. Absolutely. So let's listen, right now, everybody look up at me. I want you to continue to stir your spirit. I want you to track with us. Come on. Be engaged with us. Press in. Fight off the sleepies. Fight off the distractions. We are getting to some very, very important points. Has you, have your lives been blessed over the past three years because you have laid it all on the line there at that time of zero faith? Mine has. I can look around and I can see men and women that were not even a part of our church three years ago but were gems, costly gems, that were purchased because of the sacrifices that we made. We look around and we see the many blessings that God has done, the foundation that he has laid in this church, and we still have yet more to do. We will not settle for a foundation alone. No. We will seek the work completed in our day and in our time. Yes. You know us. You know me. We are not prosperity pimps. And it is a demonstrable fact of life that those who give all are cared for by the king. And those who seek to care for themselves are left to themselves. Look, after all, Matthew chapter 16, 25 says, whoever loses his life for me will save it. Well, you're well aware what happens to the man who seeks to keep his life. Come on, church. It is not just about God doing something kind for you. You even have to get your bank account and your wallet saved. Every part of your life has to be fully consecrated to him. We're not ashamed to talk to you about this. As a matter of fact, you know we don't take an offering. We have a box over here, and we don't even ask you about it. We don't even remind you about it. We're saying that what God doing is what he's doing and what he's stirring in us, it deserves every part of our lives. Amen. That we can show him where our treasures are, there our heart will be also. We are actually showing it in this kind of a day that we go, God, we have the privilege of going all the way to zero. Now look at a, consider John chapter 6 for us and see what the disciples, how they responded as they were learning this truth. John 6 and verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I love that. Philip answered him, eight months wages could not buy enough bread for each one to have a single bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Hayes, no, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? I mean, let's be honest. They were all thinking it. 
But Philip and Andrew were the ones that sell it, said it. Eight months' wages couldn't do enough. We couldn't buy enough bread. As a, How far will they go anyway? Church, we know you. And we know that your willingness is never in question. And at the same time, if you're honest in this moment, aren't the thoughts of Philip and Andrew some of your thoughts when you're thinking about the resources that you have available in comparison to the work that it's ahead? This is, this is just a small little fish. Us too. <laughs> when we give to zero, it's still not going to be enough. We've been stirred this week. We've been led by the Spirit of God to preach this message. And we want to look you in the eyes this morning and tell you, you have been stirred along with us for a purpose. The Lord already has in mind what he wants to do. He is already leading us. We just can't see it yet. We don't know what the end result is, except that we know the mission that he's assigning to us. We know that we will complete what he's given us to do. He's going to do this with your voluntary sacrifices because he knows that you will give it all and you're going to give it all today. Our hands have laid the foundation and our hands will indeed continue in the sacrifices that we give right now by going beyond the obligatory so that we can complete the work because you will not settle for anything less than the totality of your father's will being accomplished. So as we said before, every man, woman and child in this room now has the opportunity to practically build the tangible kingdom of God on earth. We're asking you to forego your own security and build the sacred by financially laying it all on the line for the continuation of the work. We're declaring that the work of God must go on, will go on, and cannot go on without costly voluntary offerings that are all that we have. It is time for us to build with gold, silver, and costly gems and not the hay that will fade into eternity. Empty what you have. Sell what you have to sell. Work in whatever capacity God has granted you. Labor with us to finish what we've started is what we're crying out today. We are not ashamed of what has been started. We are proud of it and say we will pay to see it finished. We're looking for a voluntary response to the way the Spirit of God has moved on you personally the last three years. We feel immensely blessed the last three years. And our voluntary offerings will reflect that immense blessing as we respond to God. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 describes what is happening in this body. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing and this service to the saints. Saints, when you mix overflowing joy with extreme poverty, well, it causes something to well up. To well up in response to the Spirit of God, and it is rich generosity like that of Elisha. You gave beyond your ability before. You've gone beyond the obligatory before. But we must revive. We must refresh. And we must stand once again to see the work finished. These men in 2 Corinthians 8 gave entirely on their own. Entirely a voluntary sacrifice. You know we don't track these things. In fact, Mandy is probably the only one who knows what your tithe statement is. 
Beware, she'll get you. These people were crying out for the privilege to join, not because they were going to get a plaque, not because they were going to get a pat on the back, but because they wanted the privilege of giving in this tangible, practical expression to see the work of God completed, not in their own body, but in the churches. May I remind you, we're not asking you to support us. We're asking you to support them. Guys, the grace that was given to this Macedonian church showed up in the fact that they thought it a privilege to participate in the work of God. That's how God's grace showed up. It wasn't obligatory. It was a privilege for them to participate in God's work in every way. Look at how they respond in verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Guys, that's what we're talking about this morning. That what we began, the good work that God began here, that he began in the one association, that he would also bring it to completion and he would empower us to do it together. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Come on. Notice the addresses to the church, not to an individual. That's because the church itself is one man. Come on. The needs of our brother churches and the work of the one association is not the task of a family or two. It's the task of the one man that is this house. You, LCM, you've always gone above and beyond. You've always had the mentality that you rush first to the sacred and you damn your own security. You have made an excellent beginning. Now it is time to bring about the completion of your generosity. You, LCM, we can say that you excel in faith. You excel in speech, knowledge, earnestness. And now we challenge you in the presence of God. Excel also in this grace of giving because you have been given the power to do so. Come on. You know, we could command you, as scripture says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, since you are truly rich in every way to be generous, but you have a grace to give entirely on your own. Single people, poor families, are always the most grateful and most sacrificial. <laughs> Supported the ministry through the years. That, that was the foundation of how this ministry began. When you think about that in light of the widow's might, yeah. she was the poorest among them with only two mites, no means of making a living on her own. This was all she had, and yet she gave it all. And because of that, she was more honored than any other man around. We believe that God is calling everyone to give the same type of costly, voluntary offering of whatever they have, just like the widow who gave her all and beyond the obligatory. Saints, we need to keep moving, but I have to be frank with you. There are single young women in this room that will hear this message and sacrifice all to make it happen. The families that are the heaviest loaded that have the most expenditures and the least income will be the first to respond and sacrifice all. 
I'm talking to the rest of you that have a tendency to let the single young women and the families that are the most heavy laden take your share. Do not let it happen. Listen to me. We are one man. The burden of the work will not be supported by those who have from an outward standpoint been given the least, while those of us who have been richly blessed with families, children, jobs, stand by on the wayside. You must take up your mantle. Just as Colossians 4 verses 12 and 13 describes Epaphras, we can vouch that the pastors of the One Association and specifically Eric and Jennifer Stevens, are always wrestling for the will of God and that his people may stand firm and be mature, fully assured in their faith. It is time that we all, somebody say we, We. voluntarily join in the constant pressure of wrestling to see the work of God completed on the foundation that has already been laid. Come on. It starts by financially laying it all on the line. If we cannot lay it on the line financially, here and now, today, We will never be able to give our lives for a swan. All of the other things that we want to talk about will not be accomplished. They will remain words unless we begin to do these things today. But we know, church, that you will voluntarily lay it all on the line, even beyond your ability, and that we will see the gospel advance into every area that Christ's costly blood has purchased. We are continually informed by the life of the Davidic king, David. The king that our Savior is said to be the son of. 1 Chronicles 29, beginning in verse 14. David praises the living God. He praises him for the ability to give generously to the work, recognizing what he has came from God. We love the heart of a poor shepherd's boy who recognized that he was nothing, but that God had blessed him. Although he may have been a fool in men's eyes, he was a king in the eyes of God. Another time in the same king's life, that you know full well. It is a part of a banner in this church. He was offered a plot of land that the temple would be built on. But he refused, knowing that the kingdom of God could only be built on voluntary, costly offerings, paying the full price, not because he had to, but because it was his joy to. Guys, you know full well that individuals are not allowed to give to the One Association. But churches as an entity... They are. Praise the living God that this body of men has become one man. And we choose to give to the work of God together. We've already proven that we are giving all to you. The one association has already proven that they are giving all. And we invite you to join us in this endeavor. The reason that you all love this team And especially the reason that you love Eric and Jen is because of the demonstrable track record of consistency, of voluntarily giving their all for the work of God. That's why you love them in the first place. They are known for the costly, precious things that they give to their own hurt in order to see the kingdom of God and the king's men succeed. We must decide if we want to be a distant admirer or if we want to join them in eternity as men and women who were willing to give all and willing to pay all. Church, are you willing to join, to give all, and pay all? Yes. Can you rouse yourself right now? Awaken your hearts, your minds, and your spirits. Shout hallelujah! Hallelujah! 
Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as we begin to conclude our time with you this morning. We're going to pick up in verse 18. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool. Say fool. Fool. He should become a fool so that he may become wise. Come on. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollo, Cephas or the world, or life or death, or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Church, you can see in this passage that there is a worldly wisdom, but then there is something that the Bible says that, that the men of God should not consider themselves wise by the wisdom of the world. We should look like fools in this world. Look at what 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7 says. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? Come on. And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not? Church, we're showing you what labor is going on in the one association. We're showing it to you for your benefit. See, we understand that we're like David, that nothing that we have came from us anyway. We've received it. God has given it to us, and we will not boast as though he has not given us incredible and precious promises. Notice that we've returned to 1 Corinthians. Paul is continuing the same train of thought that began at Zerubbabel and his need to finish what he started and him speaking to men who believe themselves to be wise he says you must become a fool in this life it goes on in verse 8 of the same chapter already you have all you want already you have become rich you have become kings and that without us how i wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you Paul is clearly reflecting on the time frame of the second temple construction. When men who began a task turned to building their own palaces instead of completing the work. We have a choice that is before us today. Do we want to be kings in eternity or fools in eternity? The only way to be a king in the age to come is to be a fool in this life. You don't get both. If you live like a king now, you will be a fool before our father and his great white throne. Zerubbabel did finish the task, though. Yeah. He responded to the stirring that God had placed inside of him. We're going to move to verses 10 through 13 in this chapter. And you're going to hear how Paul builds upon this and shows what it looks like to be a fool in this life so that you might be a king in eternity. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse 
of the world. As as you read this passage together with us and as you're contemplating it, we want to tell you, we're going to get it done either way. It's going to happen. God's work will be completed. It's going to happen. He spoke it. He promised it. And we will get it done. What we're telling you this morning is that you have the opportunity to have the privilege to participate in the work alongside of us. The privilege can be yours this morning to step up and say, I will be a fool in this age if it means that I get to be a king with you, Messiah, in the next. Guys, we're here to tell you that the One Association, it will go around the world, and you get the privilege of participating in that right now. Guys, a swan itself, the region will be liberated for Christ Jesus, and you get the privilege of participating in that liberation starting right now because Jesus will have his glory. Yes, he will. And you get to voluntarily join in that right now. It's your choice to live either like a king now and a fool for all of eternity or a fool in this life and a fool right now, but a king sitting beside him for all of eternity. Everyone say, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. To give my all. To give my all. For the king. For the king. Verse 14. I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. We're speaking to you this morning as your fathers. We're speaking from a place of experience. We have modeled it. And we're leading you into how to continue in the direction that God has given us. We ask of you the very things that Christ asks from us. Yes. And let me put it more pointedly. He is asking us to give all that we have financially to see the work of God continue out of this church and all of the other churches, even the ones yet to be established. So therefore, we ask you of the same that Christ is asking us. It is an undeniable truth in Scripture that we don't have time to to iterate. Proverbs 10 says that a foolish son is a disgrace to his family. And Psalm 45 says that those who love righteousness and hate wickedness will have princes in the land. The state of your family is entirely determined by what kind of man you are. A fool in this life and a king in eternity. Or a king in this life and a fool for eternity. We know that you join us in the costly voluntary sacrifice. Because we will do it ourselves and you are of the same family that we are. Begin to stand up to your feet. As we move into a time of worship, this is an important thing for us to remember that your time of worship is not how well you sing, nor is it about how well they play. It is about how you respond to what God is saying for you to do. Look at me, church, as a father in this house, as a spiritual father to this group of people, 
one of the fathers that you have, I'm saying do not leave this building before you have actually completed the work of the Lord in giving financially to this house. If you need to, you can make and pray while we are worshiping that you can make a pledge and put it in this offering box. But I think that for the vast majority of people in here, it's not that you need to wrestle in your mind about what to do. You must hear what the Lord has said and act immediately. He is giving us the vision and now he is working on us about our provision. You must be able to give exactly as God said because let's be honest, if you leave this place, you get to talk yourself out of what you know is true in your heart right this second. There is not ambiguity. When we begin to worship, there's gonna be amounts. There's gonna be a clear picture of what you must give and we're saying, give it now. We're saying, give it now. Do not leave this house before you are able to commit fully, financially, laying it on the line because that's what we're doing and we're inviting you into the privilege of being a fool for Christ so that you can be a king in the age to come. LCM, you know that we love you. You know that we're not asking you to give because it's for us. We're saying we can hear by the Spirit of God that He's calling this body, that He's calling us to finish something that was laid in faith. There's going to be a day where we are standing before our Father, and the stalling of the work or the completion of the work will be traced back to the decisions that you make. Thanks. There's nothing in the world that can take the privilege away from you of knowing that you made sure the work didn't stop and the gospel reached them because you were willing to sacrifice all for it. Let me ask you, what is not worth giving up when in light of that, you're considering that the gospel, the King of Kings died to bring about, has been entrusted to us and we have a path to bring it to the nations. Spare car, a house, extra hours at work. None of those things are worth comparing with the glory of what it is to obey the will of God. We're going to pray and begin to worship. And the four of us will be praying along with you that God might move on the supernatural offerings that are given and he would multiply what was done in faith not in worldly foolishness. So as you make up your minds and you decide what you're going to give today, what you will give the day after that, what you will work to see the kingdom of God, we're gonna ask that our Father would multiply it for the sake of them. That he would take the barley and fish that we have and he would multiply it for the sake of them. Father, we say don't leave us out, mighty one, but you are slain. You were that lamb that was slain and we wish to participate with you in your sufferings. We say the least that we owe you is the wealth that you've given us. But it is our rich ability to give that comes from you. Lord, we're asking that your supernatural work might multiply what we can bring. That it might multiply what we can offer. Lord, that it would carry your gospel back to your people all the way to Jerusalem in the name of Jesus.